Hello, hi, or in order of where most of our listeners come from on Kernels, Guten Tag, Bonjour, Ciao, Hola, Salamat Pagi, Assalamu Alaikum. Wherever you're from, I hope you're doing good. I hope you're having a nice day. Feeling well. This is um, episode 9 of Kernels, I believe. I'm Christopher Hooten, as always, for better or worse. And uh, this week I caught up with Mark Marin, who, if you're a not even a podcast aficionado. If you've ever listened to a podcast in your life, you're probably aware of the man because he's kind of like the uh, the founding father of podcasts. Really, he's done well over a, a hundred. It maybe maybe he's even into the thousands by this point. Um, one of the most listened to in the world. Has spoke to pretty much everyone in the entertainment industry you can think of. Even spoke to Obama um, in 2015, I think it was. And he's yeah, he's definitely an influence to this podcast and how he's been very informal in his approach to interviewing and has kind of been more interested in the human being that he's talking to and their life and how they're feeling um, as opposed to, you know, talking just about their career and their professional life. I'm just going to set the scene for the interview. Um, He's been over in London. Um, He was in town doing kind of junket interviews for... um, this new TV show he's acting in called Glow, uh, which is Genji Kohan's new show for Netflix. So she did, you probably know from Orange is the New Black, that was all her. Um, and then Weeds before that, which is a really nice little show. Not as well known as Orange is the New Black, but I think maybe better. Glow is her new series. It's about women's wrestling in the 80s. And uh, Mark, who does do a little bit of acting outside of his podcast, um, plays kind of the guy who gets this quite shabby wrestling league together and casts all the wrestlers out of struggling actors. So yeah, we caught up um, after he'd finished a lot of five-minute interviews back-to-back, which is something we talk a little bit about, because obviously he's uh, mostly deals in two-hour-long interviews. And we were talking in this fancy hotel suite, which is always weird and kind of a strange elephant in the room when you're talking to someone who's quite humble like Mark is. And yeah, about his acting career, I mean, he wouldn't call himself an actor, but... He's actually had quite a few roles lately. He used to have his own show on IFC, Marin, you may have seen, and he's done bits and pieces here and there. He was in Girls for a while on HBO. He uh, was in this show called Easy on Netflix that I really like. It's not, it didn't get a huge amount of hype, but yeah, I was, I, I was a fan. But he does a good job. He just, he just goes for it with no kind of you know huge background. He's a, he was a stand-up comic originally, but does these dramatic roles and does them well. So we talked a little bit about his kind of this arc, he's moving into acting, a little bit about podcasting and just kind of about life in general. He's a he's a lover, not a fighter and a sensitive soul like myself. And we got which ended up just two guys talking about feelings, you know. So yeah, I hope you enjoy and I'll speak to you in a couple of weeks' time. How's it going, man? Okay, man, you? Yeah, good to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, do I look good for radio? Yes, you do. Okay. <laughs> it's fancy here, huh? It is fancy. You know, the doorman had, like, these epaulettes on and, like, some kind of origami. I know, I don't know, you know, I, I know that they have an important job, and I feel like I, I, uh, I should, like, I carry my own bag in I like to carry my own duffel bag, usually. Yeah. And then when you come to a fancy place, you feel like you're letting them down, where actually you're just saving a little money but that's not the reason I do it because then I think that like they think I'm cheap and I'm like no it's just like I, it's not that big a deal it's like you don't want to let them down because it's their job but then also I feel weird handing over my bags to someone like I'm very so it's kind of always a 
a difficult dilemma for me. Well, I think it's sort of a it's a it's a it's a class thing in some weird way because like I don't. I think some people like to be treated that way, and I guess it's part of the experience to be treated like that, but I don't particularly like it. Yeah. I'd rather <laughs> carry my own bag to my room. <laughs> How have you been spending your non-promotion time over in London? Are you over here for a few days? or? No, I got in last night. I was very tired. I ordered food, and they have... Uh, it's exciting. They have a, a regular menu, then they have an Asian menu, and then they have an Arabic menu. So you can sort of like travel. So I got a fatouche salad and lentil soup. That was my big night last night. And this morning I woke up very early because I'm all fucked up. And I walked from here to the Tate Modern to see that Tillman show. Oh, nice. And I, I saw the uh, what, uh, what's that? Why am I forgetting his name? The, uh, the other show. The, Giacometti. Oh, oh, okay. Giacometti and Tillman's. I had not seen that many Giacometti's. You know, you think you've seen one Giacometti and you've seen them all, but he definitely made some shift, and to see him in person was pretty more exciting than I anticipated. Yeah. You guys see the Hockney one still over there? Maybe? I don't think the Hockney's still it. there. Is it still I think there? It maybe just finished or something. You might have missed it. Like the photos or paintings? All of it. It's like oh, huge. no kidding. They got like the ones from LA, the ones he did over really? in New Yorkshire, the photos. It's pretty good. Huh. Yeah, I didn't see that. The last time I was here, they had the Rothko room set up. With that. those Four Seasons paintings, those yeah. dark ones, they had them lit in that dark. That was great. That was, I was hoping that was a regular exhibition, but I don't think it was there. It's very emotional, isn't it? You just hit by all this color and it's like, fuck. Well, that, that, that set of paintings were very dark. And they were done towards the end of his career, I think. For uh, It was a contract for the Four Seasons Hotel in New York. And I think he painted them to be horrendously kind of uh, almost... Um, like they definitely were not, I, I couldn't see eating around them and they were they were very dark and kind of purpley and they were lit in a very specific way in that room and I'd never seen them all at once I'd only read about them uh, so they were not it, the whole experience was kind of uh, mind blowing yeah mm-hmm. is it weird for you doing kind of junkets because you're used to doing you know, long form conversations and suddenly you've got people coming in mm. five minutes at a time well it's only weird in that Eventually, you figure out what to say in those five minutes. You know, if it's specific, like for this show, they ask questions, the same ones over and over again, and occasionally you surprise yourself. Sometimes you just take the easier path. And I think that this show is primarily about the women, so there's not a lot on me, you know, in the sense that if I'm sitting there with Allison or Betty or whoever I'm doing it with... I would rather they talk, which is a, a sign of growth for me. So I just let them talk, and then I'll step up a little bit. Yeah, you don't want to be the guy who makes a big deal in the middle of a show. The one guy in a show that has 14 women on it that can't shut up. <laughs> it's not going to be good for anybody. I've always uh, admired on WWF how you tread the line when it comes to people promoting things, but you still get some time in for shooting the shit. So I like that. Well, the promotion thing is really just a, a window of opportunity, you know, Sometimes you can't get people unless they're out promoting something, and they know the deal with WTF in that it's not fundamentally a promotional show, but but usually it gets in there, and sometimes it's good if I if if what they're promoting is something I like or I've seen, but usually it's not the the focus of any of the interviews. It's just yeah. what's given me the opportunity to talk to certain people because certain people don't go out unless they're pitching. 
Yeah. Yeah. I discovered your podcast. I'm sure you've heard a lo- lot of stories like this by now, but when I like had a really rough breakup. Oh yeah. And, like it was it was terrible. Like I I needed to move out of my house and I was so debilitated that I couldn't. Oh. My parents had to come and put my shit in boxes and I was back at my parents' house like age like oh. 25 or something. The worst. And I was like I need to distract my mind for some reason and ended up listening to it. And oh good. It was not like it changed my life, but it's just something yeah. distracting cathartic about. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking it's weird cuz when I try and read a book or read some text on a screen or even sometimes watching things, I get like distracted for it very easily but listening to audio for some reason I just kind of go into the zone and can yeah, stay there for like hours it's a different thing like you know it, 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 it occupies the part of your brain that you actually use when you get distracted from other things like if you're reading there's an inner monologue that distracts you or your own thoughts or if you're watching TV you know something else is going on in your head or you go do something else but when it's just audio it's actually that part that's active so you can do other things, but still be totally engaged. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. I just thought of it now. I'm glad it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and um, how did you end up doing Glow? Was it something you pursued, or did someone be like, oh, this is this is so Mark Marin, this part, let's like, get him on the phone? Or... Well, I tried to figure out, trying to get to the bottom of that. <laughs> um, like, what happened really was that I finished my show... And I wasn't planning on doing anything. I was going to take some time off from both stand-up and, uh, you know, TV. Well, I, I didn't think I would be really going out for... I didn't, you know, I did four seasons of Marin, and I thought that'd be it for TV, for me. And I was fine with that. But then, uh, like a month or so, it feels like, a, like very shortly after I finished my show, my management sent a script over for Glow. Or maybe even just the sides. I don't even remember if I read the whole script, but I read the guy, and I'm like, I could be this guy. This just seems good. Like, I, I connected with it, you know. And I, I read that it was set in the 80s, and uh, so I went down to the the place in my neighborhood that sells glasses. I know the women who own it, and I got some aviator frames that I thought would look 80s, and I put on a Lacoste shirt. And I had the woman who is my personal trainer occasionally, who's also an actress, of course. I asked her if she would read with me. So she did Allison's part. And then I had this guy that works for me sometimes shoot me on the iPhone. And I did like three of those and I sent them off. Because I was told they weren't reading people in L.A. and they, were, they didn't want me to come in or anything. So I was just really kind of like, okay, I'll just do it. I didn't have anything invested in it other than I thought I could do it and we sent them off and they they, they cast me on that on that 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 recording from my, yeah. my iPhone but I, I think that when I asked Genji about it and I asked Liz and Carly about it it was just one of those things where they didn't know what they were looking for but when they saw me they saw the guy so that's how that went nice that's nice to hear yeah. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the shirt actually I spent most of the pilot coveting the shirt you wear I think in the, in the first yeah, one kind of got like a little sopranos vibe I really have a soft spot for that look where it's like a dad's gonna gone to a resort somewhere on holiday well there's a lot of those shirts I know that shirt they didn't I didn't wear the one that I wore in the audition but that shirt with the, the big stripes you had like a like some kind of diamond kind of oh, that one. I like that. Yeah, there was some those like I it was sort of a hybrid. This guy, I wore the same pair of pants for the entire season. There were these bell bottoms. I think they were actually from the seventies, the late seventies. 
and then the black cowboy boots on every show, uh, same boots. But the shirts kept changing, and they were specifically mid '80s style shirts. Uh, yeah, you don't see them around. Not no one's really bringing those back. Yeah, they're hard to, they're hard to find these days. It sucks. <laughs> it looked like I mean I've only seen the pilot, but it looked like a, a fun role because your character is kind of a piece of shit, really, especially to begin with. Yeah, he's he is a piece of shit in a lot of ways, but I think that over the arc of the show, you start to see his you know vulnerabilities. You know, he he's he's kind of got a high opinion of himself and what he wants to achieve and what he's already achieved. But, but the success of any of those things don't really match up with his high opinion of himself, except for some, you know, a little bit of success over, you know, from a, you know, uh, what was the movie? The movie I called disco is horror movies. I direct sort of B horror movies, <laughs> but, but he, he is sort of a piece of shit, but not, I don't think he's, uh, evil. Uh, I think he's flawed, and uh, he's not. Um, he's a bit of a bully, but he's not an evil guy. You know, he's a uh, he's sort of a a kind of a uh, you know his own worst enemy in some ways. Yeah, I definitely related to that. You know, because <laughs> he does seem to be sort of uh, he's a little hard on Ruth on Allison's character right away which can only mean that they love each other so that was the way it always felt to me that you know as hard as I was on her that it was just to protect myself from you know whatever uh, feelings that were really there and I think that's the way he deals with life he's always kind of protecting himself from having feelings other than uh, you know kind of uh, frustration or anger or, or uh, you know that kind of stuff yeah did you watch wrestling as a kid? Not really, no. I remember seeing it occasionally, local wrestling. I always um, think there's like nothing more pure than that moment like in a kid's life where they think the wrestling is real. Like, oh, How yeah. amazing to think that all of that soap opera shit's happening is actually happening. Well, I think the more I talk to people, like I never, it never locked in with me as a thing that I liked as a kid because I was an odd kid. Um, but I remember seeing it, you know, they had all the... You know, mid-sized cities always had a wrestling scene, and they used to have a local wrestling show on Sundays. And I would watch it. And it was at that time it was like the '70s, so it was just dudes in like unitards yeah. with weird big hair. You know, and they had wrestling magazines. There were always those dudes in unitards just covered in blood. Um, but I never, I never connected with it. But I think whether it's real or it's fake, it, it does uh, provide an outlet for something. You know, in kids and, in, and and adults. I mean, kids who grew up with wrestling, they still like wrestling. And whether it's real or not, it's not the issue. It's the, it's the, um, the excitement of it, the entertainment of it, and yeah. the story, the story of it. There's that line in the pilot where someone's like, uh, "Is it, is this real?" And they're like, "Who cares?" Like, it's right. entertaining, which is quite good summed up, really. About well, I mean, it. if it was real, it'd be a sport, you know. And it's not really a sport because yeah. if you all you got to do, if you like, if you look at wrestling at the Olympics, they're not, you know don't have big hair and characters Yeah, that's yeah. what wrestling looks like yeah they're not playing poison as they like. yeah right exactly <laughs> so you know it is like it is a it's definitely uh, a, a, an amazing sort of uh, entertainment that requires a, a tremendous amount of skill and and, and um, choreography and uh, physical 
uh, risk taking. But uh, but yeah, I don't want to break anyone's heart. But yeah, it's scripted. Yeah. It's in terms of uh, we're talking a bit about Mark Maron, the actor, as the in the phase you're in at the moment. Like I kind of I saw bits and pieces of Maron, but it was actually when I was watching that Joe Swanberg. Yeah, so easy, easy. Yeah, the, I was. I really liked your performance in that. I was like, I felt proud of you. I was like, oh, damn, it's like it was my favorite episode. And oh, was, thanks. You enjoyed yeah, doing it. I did like that. You know what? I'm good if it's close to me. You, you know, I don't know that I'd be good at like you know learning Russian or you know having to do Shakespeare. Yeah. But if it's within my emotional range. Uh, I can do it. Uh, I think I got, over the four seasons of Marin, I got comfortable on camera, which took a few seasons, but I knew it would. But I'm pretty good at being present. And the thing with Swanberg's uh, show, Easy, I just shot another one as that guy oh, a cool. year later, was that it was all improvised. And, um, and it was that guy's not that far from me. He's like he's like me a decade ago. He's a kind of, he's a kind of a, a real dick in a way. Yeah. But kind of shameless. Um, same with this guy on Glow. The though the guy on Glow is not fundamentally neurotic. So that was really just an exercise of turning that off, that self consciousness. Whereas I think it's same a little bit with the guy on Easy too. Neither one of those characters are as self aware or as self conscious as I am. Yeah. It's kind of an overlooked show a little bit, I think, but I liked it. I liked Easy? How they, yeah, I liked how in the episode it brought, brought it full circle as well. I think a lot of people would have left it after he has that, that ignominious bit where he's outed at the show, but like the fact that then they came together and were like, oh, we had shared a drink, we kind of both learned something from that. It was a nice... That was good, yeah. yeah. It, it, the thing about working with Swanberg is you don't know what's going to happen in those scenes because he really he, he gives you very little. It's barely an outline Yeah. in terms of what's going to happen in a scene. So the emotions that happen, you know, on any of the takes, which you don't do many of, are fairly genuine if you're in it, you know, if you're present in, in the improv. So, like, what, what, what turned out in that scene was sort of sweet. It was sort of, it was, it was a pretty good moment. I suppose it must be terrifying as an actor, though, I think, turning up and being like, right, I've got, I've got to make this good. All these people are here to shoot this, and I've got to fucking, like, make the scene. I don't know. I don't think about it. I don't... I guess the benefit of of doing my show and, and having a certain amount of control as my entry into acting was sort of nice because like I was working at all levels as a producer, an actor, sometimes a director and a writer. And you're still working with all those people, even more than a small shoot like Joe's. But I think that it's just a matter of, you know, after a certain point in your life after you've been doing something long enough you know you show up and you're ready to work you know I don't there's not a lot of even with glow which was a little daunting because I wasn't playing myself you know I didn't have I wasn't you know the star of the show but and it was definitely a set piece that was I was a little nervous about that Mm. You, you know because that was that on a production level that was really the highest level of production I've worked at with Joe, with Swanberg, you're kind of like, it's a groupthink thing, and it's very organic. Yeah. And Marin, though scripted and, and big, you know, it was operating at a budget that was definitely smaller than Glow, and there was less people than Glow. But to sort of step into the role of being the guy that's got to put together, you know, 14 women in, in a show, the show within a show, mm. 
and, and hold that. I was nervous about it, but I, I wasn't really scared. You know, I was just like, well, the scripts are the scripts. And, you know, I'm here to do this. You know, I'm not here to write. I'm not here to produce. I'm here to be this guy. Uh, I was a little nervous about that. Standing in front of all the women when I have to do the, yeah. the, like, the audition monologue. You know, it was like there was that wavering of like, you know, what you know, Mark between Mark and the guy. You know what I mean? But uh, but yeah, the improving thing. I, I don't. I, I went back and did another one, and and I wasn't that nervous. It's kind of fun. It's very engaging. Yeah, it's much more engaging than than scripted. We're always really intrigued by like actors that don't necessarily have a background in acting. Like I made a, a, a film recently myself, just a small one, and um had this character that was it was kind of a sad part and I didn't want to make it seem too dark so I just got like a stand-up comedian who had zero training and it did such a good job you just brought something different to it and I don't know I don't want to obviously put down training because it's, it's great but there is something almost like innate isn't there about acting that you can if, I if you're a creative that. person you can like turn on in a way I believe that's true and I've talked to a lot of actors though I don't really I would, I'm, I'm wary to call myself an actor I think I can do it and I think that if I'm cast correctly, I can do it. Um, but I do envy and do respect uh, trained actors in a way that, you know, like there's certain things where, you know, training and experience and, and really having control over your, your mind and body to, to, to really depart from who you are to be in a role is interesting. Like there's certain actors that are always a little bit of themselves, you know, that are, you know, movie stars generally, uh, are, are paid to be some version of themselves because people want that. But yeah, then there are these people that can really translate, you know, kind of, even someone like De Niro, who you think is just, you know, himself is, is very refined in terms of, you know, creating character, even though you can see him in there. But for me, like I, I felt that that if I can show up and I can listen, you know that I think you're right that there is an intuition to it, and, and if but and if you have the natural talent for it, but it's not really about whether or not you can say or do the lines. Some people just can't do it. Like yeah. I like I don't know what that is. Like you know you watch you, there are just some people that you know if you see shitty movies or you see porn from the eighties seventies, yeah. you know that. Uh, that they're just people that can't be on camera, that they don't know, and it's nothing you can really learn, I don't think. Like, the natural uh, talent for it is not about doing the lines or whatever. It's yeah. being able to to not, you know, to be on camera or to be on stage and not be self-conscious or appear self-conscious. Because, you know what I mean? It's I, I don't know what it is, but it is something that I think is fundamentally a natural talent and if you don't have that it's going to be difficult for you yeah when I did a little bit of acting the thing I found so liberating that someone said to me is like it's okay that you're a bit yourself that's why you've been cast at the end of that's the day right. because you know it's it's always you inside right. that character so you don't have to worry about fighting that you kind of just right. be, be the character through yourself kind of thing right but it's like the the degree of transformation yeah is, is really the difference between you have someone who's just sort of a natural talent and somebody who's a trained actor, I think. Mm. And I'm bringing it around, the thing I always like, like to ask podcast guests is, uh, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm a little tired. I'm a little, like, uh, jet-laggy. But uh, in general, I'm okay. You know, uh, my, li- my life is 
okay. It's pretty good. So uh, a lady on you, so yeah, a, 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 a woman. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a girlfriend. He's a painter, and we're doing pretty good. My country is not great, no. uh, and that sort of hangs over all of us, uh, you know, in a very sort of uh, existentially terrifying way. Managing that, you know, I guess some people check out, but if you're checked in, uh, there's no shortage of anxiety, yeah, and, and pure terror, really. Yeah. And then uh, doing doing all the you know the different creative things that you do, do they do they bring you like joy? Do you feel like satisfied in, when you when you've done them, or how is that? Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I don't notice enough. Sometimes I'm just keep moving, and I and I don't you know really engage the joy thing. You know, I'm not good at you know uh, letting that happen or or um, framing my accomplishments. Uh, in the joy column, mm. but uh, but yeah, I just got done with a tour, stand-up tour, and I shot a special, you know. And over the twenty or twenty-five dates I did, moving up to this special, you know, it, it came together pretty nicely, and I felt pretty good about the special. But then I did two dates uh, to finish out the tour: one in Philadelphia and one in D.C., Washington D.C. And that that final night of the tour was really pretty joyful and pretty. A good show, and you know, like I felt that I achieved something, so I found some joy in that. I tend to find uh, where do I find the joy? I don't know. It's fleeting, but it happens. Yeah. For me, it's more like in the moment, and then I don't know. When, once it's over, then that's when you can hit it down a bit more while you're actually doing it. And oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, the tour was good for that. Doing the stand-up was good for that. And uh, yeah, some of the podcasts I do, I, I feel that if the conversation is good. Like, I, I leave kind of elevated, you know, or I feel like it was a, a real connected thing, and I have a good time with that. Yeah. I like playing guitar, too. That makes me feel good. I can tell your outros on guitar at every possible opportunity. <laughs> I tried to put them in there. I don't know when I, why or when I started doing that, but I figured, fuck it. I play. <laughs> it's not that bad. Yeah. I'm pretty good. Why not just end it? Like, I figure at that point, it's like, if people don't want to listen to it, it's not, I'm not pressuring them. It's just there. Yeah. They want to write it out. Are you a are you a famous person now? Am I? Yeah, I have a I have a, a a fame, you know, really limited to people that appreciate me. Like I don't have fame that I'm not one of those people that everybody knows whether they like me or not. So that gives me a little freedom. Yeah, uh, in the sense of being able to have a life and being able to, you know, kind of not get a big head about it. I find that the people that know me and like what I do. Are, are all pretty good people. They're pretty respectful, sort of sensitive, thoughtful people, you know, almost 100%. So when somebody goes Mark Marin or they come up to me and they talk to me, you know, I, I, I feel very connected to them. I'm not, I'm not, uh, like, I'm not a, a freak that just exists in some celebrity sphere <laughs> where, you know, you walk down the street and people point at you, whether yeah. they know you or not. And you're, like, covering your face. <laughs> well, I just don't, like, I know people that are at that level, and it's very hard life to, uh, yeah. it's hard to have a life, you know. Um, but, so, my fame is very um, dealable for me, and uh, I appreciate the people that, uh, you know, appreciate what I do. My test is always this. If you're, like, in a fancy bathroom in a restaurant or in a hotel or like this something and they have the hand lotion alongside the soap do you still get excited and use it i never use hand lotion in uh in there 
I don't use hand lotion hardly at all. I do use lotion on my face. But it, like it's there. Yeah, like, it, it smells great. No? Yeah, no. Like lotion, I'm very specific about it because some lotion's on your hands and it's like never. It's on there for too long. That's shocking. You've lost complete touch of reality. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's just too oily, or you just don't know with skin products. You know, <laughs> I'm very fair. specific about certain things. Yeah. Yeah, I use one on my face. And I use patchouli that I've used for decades, but that's like and I'm like and I don't fuck with it. <laughs> I'll mix it up. I, I'll use hotel shampoos. I'm not too crazy with shampoos anymore. It's good. It's a good way to be. But in terms of you know bathrooms, like I, I used to be very excited about uh, Dyson hand dryers. Oh yeah, those are always exciting. Have you ever done sometimes if there's two next to each other and there's no other people queuing, I do no. one hand in each. Go, no. It feels very, very relaxed. Really? Yeah. Oh, I recommend funny. trying that next time you... Uh, well, I'll look out for it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, the, I was here in London I, and I took that walk today and a couple people recognized me. And, you know, the, it's very funny because there's a similarity to a lot of the people that, uh, that, that know my shit, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, Mark. It was really good to talk to you. Is that all right? Yeah, it was great, thanks. Thank you. It's good to meet the, uh, the godfather of podcasting. Oh, <laughs> I'm happy to uh, have been able to do it. Thanks, nice yeah, talking yeah. to you. So that was Mark. I hope you enjoyed our chat. It was a very free-flowing one. It was one of the nicest ones I think I've done. I enjoyed doing it, and it was very, it was very easy, a very easy man to talk to. So, yeah, I'll see you in a couple of weeks' time, and as always, hit us up on Twitter with any thoughts or questions people you'd like to see on the podcast and if you do get time to hit up itunes or the podcast app and give us a little review and a rating on there that does help us out hugely surprisingly so it seems like that stuff is pointless but it's actually not so that would be great and yeah catch you soon